You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Welcome to the Theater Podcast, intimate personal conversations with the industry's biggest names. I'm your host, Alan Seals, and our guest today is Mauricio Martinez. He's a cross-genre, international, truly multi-talented individual who just happened to beat cancer four times and now has a successful career on Broadway. He's a huge mental health advocate. We dive deep into, uh, I guess, just overcoming his anxiety and depression of COVID and, of course, being Emilio Estefan on Broadway. And then the whole industry just shut down as soon as he starts ramping up and getting into this great place in his life. So we talked about dealing with that. He was very open, very honest. Mauricio, if you're listening, thank you. I had such a great time talking about this stuff. Coming up now for the rest of July, August, and September in 2021 here, he is the host for the Bryant Park Picnic Performance. Say that five times fast. So (laughs) on July 30th coming up, Adrian Warren and Friends is performing. So he's going to be there with them. There's some other things in August and September that you can check on the bryantpark.org website if you're in the area. I highly, highly recommend these events. They are amazing. As always, find me online on Instagram and Twitter at theater underscore podcast. Leave a rating and review. And now everybody, please enjoy this episode with Mauricio Martinez. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19, all new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Here you go. One, two, three. Today's guest is a major international star of both stage and screen, most recently seen in Paper Mill Playhouse's production of Unmasked, the music of Andrew Lloyd Webber. In addition to playing Emilio Estefan in Broadway's On Your Feet, he also led the national tour of the same name. He is an international Emmy winner for the TV show El Vato on NBC Universo and was a household name in Latin America before crossing over to Broadway, having starred as the leading man in the Mexico productions of Beauty and the Beast, Saturday Night Fever, Jesus Christ Superstar, The Drowsy Chaperone, Sweet Charity, The Last Five Years, and A View from the Bridge. 
He's also the creepy, dirty character Tomas in the Broadway Podcast Network original podcast soap opera As the Curtain Rises and is now the host of the Bryant Park Picnic Performance Series. Mauricio Martinez, <gasps> welcome wow. to the theater podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much, my dear Alan. What a great intro. I aged like 20 years in like less than a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love reading these bios of people who uh, who have just been doing this forever because it's it's like it it's the progression of who you are as a person and and people in theater uh, in the performance aspect like identify so much with the shows that they're in and find so much value in all of that. So when you list off a, a, a like categorically just going through all these shows that people are doing, I, it's gotta be like reminiscent of like, Oh yeah, this point in my life. And then that point in my life. And then, you know, do you talk about the, the Latin, the Latin America markets? <laughs> what yeah. color was my hair? <laughs> was I still a 30 inch waist? Was I, <laughs> was I divorced? Was I single? Was I in New York? Was I in Mexico? Yeah, there's a lot of things. But yeah, like you say, there's so many, so many different shows too in so many years. So it's, it's definitely a nice to look back and, and be like, oh yeah, I did that. That's cool. Yeah. Well, let's let's dive into uh, the Bryant Park Picnic Performance Series real yes. quick because that's that's coming up real quick. That's quite and, a tongue twister, isn't it? Even oh my Americans, like Bryant Park Picnic Performance Bryant. So many plosives. I was practicing it uh, last time I did it. I did the first one on June 18th, and I presented the New York City Opera. And I was mm -hmm. over it with John right before. I'm like, oh, God, this is hard. Brian Park picnic performances. Like, Brian Park. It was like a tongue twister. So, yeah. <laughs> you should use it next time for, uh, like, vocal warm-ups. Like, yeah, I will. Pick probably will. <laughs> so, the, the, right after this episode drops, um, there's going to be a concert on July 30th with Adrian Warren and friends. And then you're... So, you're hosting that live. These are live in the park... Bryant Park uh, things. And the whole thing, by the way, is presented by Bank of America, which, of course, the incredible, uh, the incredible free access people get to, to these, to these uh, performances and these yeah. shows that it, you can just walk by the park and hear all these things. That's got to be underwritten by something. So hats off to Bank of America. Yeah, definitely. They, they do a great job. I mean, because um, to have these shows for free, like you say, in the middle of the park. Um, it, it's amazing. Uh, I stayed for the New York City Opera one, and it was breathtaking to see and listen to so many talented voices. And just to know that um, live entertainment is, li is back in New York, it's such a wonderful feeling. So like you say, definitely hats off to Bank of America for for making this possible. And the guys, everyone at Bryant Park, who's, um, they're all really working hard to make this a wonderful experience. And um, yeah, I'm excited about uh, the following concert. I'm very excited. I'm a huge fan of Adrian. I saw her on Broadway as Tina Turner. She blew oh my away. gosh, and so I, good. Yeah, she's so talented. And I cannot wait to to host this, this event and see uh, which guests she has and, yeah, it's going to be a great, it's going to be great. My mom's going to be in town. So um, <laughs> I have a show on 54 below on the 21st. So, so she's coming for that and she's staying. So I'm going to take my mom and 
So that'll be nice and exciting, you know? Does, does your mom, okay, this is completely off base here. Does your mom kind of know uh, the, the circles that you travel in, the gravitas of, of the world that you're in now? Like, yeah, I'm just hosting something with Adrian Warren. Like, does she <laughs> know that Adrian Warren is the next best thing since sliced bread? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, she doesn't know it yet because she's in Mexico and uh, she doesn't really speak English. But once she's here, um, she'll know, you know, because I mean, the show won't be open yet, Tina, but she'll be back and I will take her to that one because it's it's one of my favorite shows of of the last season, I think. And one of the best performances I've ever seen in my life, to be honest, like oh, so good. she blew me away. Uh, so, yeah, she knows. I mean, I, she knows the. The level of gravitas that I um, navigate in, like with the Estefans and Andrew Lloyd Webber, like, you know, she, she knows all of that. But um, in Broadway, as far as Broadway, uh, she definitely will know more and more as I do more and more Broadway because I'm just starting out here. You know, it's, it's like I'm starting. I'm like I'm a beginner in a, in a way. Uh, I've done a lot of stuff in Mexico and Latin America, but in, in the U.S., I'm still in my in my diapers as i say <laughs> so so it's it's nice it's refreshing and um uh, it keeps um all of my family uh very uh active because they're like oh who's this oh who's this oh they like my mom didn't know who norm lewis was because <laughs> you know like um uh, unless in mexico unless you're like a really fat like a fan of broadway or if the if the performer is not like in a Hollywood movies or what, whatnot, they're really not household names, you know? So mm -hmm. uh, she fell in love with him because she loves Phantom of the Opera. And she saw videos of him and she was like, oh my God, he's so handsome and what a beautiful voice and he's so charming. And so, so I'm like, yeah, okay, mom. Okay, mom. <laughs> she has, she has a hot for Norm Lewis. <laughs> Who doesn't? Come right? on. I know. Jesus. Yeah. Oh, I love that, man. <laughs> the yeah, I I I always I love talking um, when I go to other other countries and love visiting. I, I love talking and seeing like what has made it into that culture, into that into that. Um, I guess the, yeah, just what has permeated the culture out there. I mean, and it's <laughs> like you go out, you go out, and a lot of the music it's either like super super new release pop kind of stuff. Yes, or or it's like the the bad music of the 80s that that we that's, make fun of in the US yeah those are classics well that was that's what happens when you when you're a foreigner and you come to live to the US you realize that a lot of things that you thought were good uh, are not really considered good in America by Americans or or they're like considered to be like guilty pleasures or mm. like you say or or maybe they're not as big in the U.S. as they were um, in another country, such as m my country. So that does happen quite often, to, to be honest. It, it isn't until you... And I think it happens both ways. The same way when I come here, and I now that I'm living here, sometimes people think that, I don't know, a movie or a piece of music or something... Uh, from Mexico or Latin America is like everything and wonderful. And, and you're like, not really, that's not really, you know, like um, it's like going to Mexico. Uh, like when you go to Taco Bell, it's not really Mexican. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So <laughs> just as I'm sure like in Mexico, like, I don't know, hamburgers and hot dogs are not really 
the best thing like here in America, you know what I mean? Or like mm-hmm. mashed potatoes or like <laughs> cheesecake. <laughs> so, um, so I think it's the same with art and, and with music, but I think also it depends on the taste of, of the audience. You know, um, a lot of people like uh, different things and that's the beauty of, of what we do, I think, you know, cause there's t- literally taste for everything. You know, you may not like pop, you may not like rock, you may not like, I don't know, hip hop or um, I've heard it with people that are, uh, they're like, they, they say they're not really into Hamilton because they, they say they're not really into hip hop or rap. I'm not really into hip hop or rap, but I love Hamilton. You know what I mean? So, so it's like, uh, sometimes it gets, um, you, you just got to try it and see if you like it and you might find out that you love it. I'm still not into hip hop and rap and I would listen to Hamilton all day yeah, long. All the time. Same like me. Same same as me. And in the heights as well, you know. And I'm like, I, I love those two musicals. And I'm not I don't really listen to hip hop or rap in in my life other than Hamilton and and <laughs> in the heights, you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, that, that happens a lot too. Or like rock. I think like rock, the like the more rock, the most rock that I hear is probably like Rock of Ages. Whenever I play like either the soundtrack of the movie or the original cast recording, like so that that happens with genre sometimes. I so think. I want to I want to take this back to you and and rewind a little bit uh-huh. because you know I mentioned in the bio just one of many things you are an Emmy winner for El Vato, and. I'm, I guess, let, let's get into your, into where you, what got you into where you are now? Because it's, did you start out as a singer? Did you start out as, as a TV actor, a theater actor? Because, you know, we listed off a million, a million Broadway shows that you did mm-hmm. in Mexico. Yeah. So what, where did the whole thing begin? Well, I started out wanting to do both things, really. three The three things, uh, sing, act, and dance. Uh, growing up in Mexico, my mom used to play play me um, movie musicals, like The Sound of Music, Hello, Dolly, you know? And I loved them. Grease, I watched over and over and over again. I I, I had a, the biggest crush on Olivia Newton-John, and I wanted to be John Travolta so bad. And um, little did I know, or did I realize that, uh, which I did later in life, like when I was... 13, 14, that most of these movies were based on, on shows, on live theater shows, and that those theaters were in a place called Broadway, and that Broadway was in New York. And New York was this exciting city that I would always watch in movies or TV shows or cartoons, you know, uh, with the skyscrapers uh, and like the Twin Towers, because they were, they, were, they were a thing still and the, the Chrysler building and King Kong and all that. So I just fell in love with it, with the idea of um, doing it live to a live audience. Cause I was exposed to live theater at a very young age and I really loved it. I saw cats uh, in my hometown of Monterrey, Mexico. It was a national tour uh, of the Mexican production, which was based in Mexico city. Um, and I, and, but I saw some like telenovela stars, uh, doing it, but they were actually really, really good. Like a few of the telenovela actors are like triple threats and like can do, uh, also record and sing and dance. So, uh, whoever was cast in cats was a really good one because that's not an easy show to do. So I fell in love with that and to hear it, to listen to it in Spanish too, 
to see Greece in Spanish and understand that the same movie that I was watching with Olivia Newton-John and John Travolta could be done in Spanish live in theater with an orchestra in the pit and and uh, kids were my my age doing it and they were really cool and they uh, I was like wow you can do this for a living and that just blew my mind and I fell in love with it internet was just starting so you really had to go re- do research when I was a teenager go to libraries and um, I don't know borrow VHS or then DVDs mm-hmm. laser discs and I fell in love with um, every single one of like the Barbara Streisands, the Julie Andrews, the Liza Minnelli's, the Frank Sinatra's, the John Travolta's. Uh, later in life, I, I discovered more and more like Andrew Lloyd Webber, the Phantom of the Opera, and then Jacqueline Hadley, Miss, Miss Saigon. My sister had come to New York when I was a teenager, um, and she brought back the, the souvenir like uh, brochure of Miss Saigon, Phantom, and Cats, and Les Mis. And I like looked at it like as if it was gold, you know, I loved it. Oh, wow. And I listened to the recordings over and over again. Uh, and I started doing, uh, taking voice lessons when I was 15, 16. And that's how I started. So I really say, I must say that I started doing both things. Like I, I acted in school plays, but I also did musicals and I started doing, um, taking singing lessons. But I realized that I had an instrument that I did. I, I, I was born with a voice. Like I, ever since I could remember when I was a kid, five, six, seven, I would open my mouth and sound would come out and it was on key on pitch and with like, it, it just came naturally. So I was like, I got to do something with this because I have it. Uh, my brother or my sisters couldn't sing. I, I was the only one in my house that could sing. <laughs> uh, so I, I discovered it and I just explored and had fun and later, when I was 17, going on 18, um, I really wanted to leave Mexico and move to New York. Um, a friend of mine got a scholarship to go to Berklee College of Music to Boston. Um, and she sort of like put that little bug in my head and she was like, you could do this too, you know? Um, and so I, I asked for the brochure and I got it and I, I liked it, but I said, but this is really not for me. Like, that's only like... 30% of what I do, you know, to, if I go to Berkeley and just study music and singing and uh, wh- what about the actor? What about the dancer? What about the, like, I need to be more complete, you know, cause I wanted to be like a Gene Kelly, like a Fred Astaire, like a um, Patrick Swayze. When I saw dirty dancing, I was like, man, that's what I want to do, you know? And so I looked for schools in New York and I ran across one that's called AMDA the American Musical and Dramatic Academy. Mm-hmm. And again, I got the brochure and I like, I just browsed through it and I was like, wow, I memorized it, I think. And I saw who graduated from there. And uh, I just saw the pictures of the, the both boys and girls like taking ballet or like taking sightseeing music or acting and the streets of New York and the theaters. And I was like, wow, I, that's where I got to be. So I, I, I got my audition date, which was, on 1997 and I came with my brother I saved my money I came to my with my brother and I auditioned they asked for a monologue and a song and I auditioned with uh, Maria from West Side Story and the monologue um, the death scene from Romeo and Juliet because I thought being the theater nerd that I was I was like this is going to be like a little 
Like, <laughs> they're going to know that I know <laughs> that it's the same role. You know, like, <laughs> they're going to know that I take this seriously. So um, that's what I did. And, and I moved, I got accepted. Like, Billy Elliot, remember when he gets the letter? Like, like that, because there were no emails back then. I mean, they were just starting, really. And, uh, yeah, I moved to New York when I was 18, going to 19, or 1998. And I, I loved this city. And... Uh, I studied here and again, I was, as I was studying here to, to be a performer, uh, acting, singing and dancing and uh, on stage, I would take extra lessons outside in the school for film and television to learn how I could act for camera, you know, and then I would go to Berkeley and I did two summer programs at Berkeley to learn how to record. And like, I studied rhythm and blues and pop to like be more versatile. Cause I, I always knew that I wanted to do everything. Like I wanted to be a recording artist, but I also wanted to be on Broadway, but I also wanted to do TV. I was like, if Barbara can, if Barbara does this, I can do it. You know, like, <laughs> like hell if Madonna can do it. So can I. <laughs> so, uh, and that's what I, that's what I, um, planned in my head at, uh, 18, 19. And, it's been working ever since, you know, of course, my visa ran out back then in the 2000s. Then I got a work a job at a cruise ship singing all over the world when I was 23. So that was amazing. I saved money. I went back to Mexico and uh, I just started auditioning and I started booking things. I booked Mexican Idol wow. on 2002. So I, I was in that TV show for six, four or five months. And I was third place. And after that, I started doing soap operas. And then I started doing concerts. And then I got a record deal. And every single time, I, I would be doing Broadway musicals. But the Mexican productions, I did Saturday Night Fever, like all the ones you said. And so ever since then, I was combining it all, you know. And um, to this day, I, if you ask me, what do you prefer? I, I don't have an answer. I mean, I'm like, I, I love... When I'm doing theater, I love doing theater. When I'm doing concerts, I love doing concerts. When I'm doing TV, I love doing TV. But th the best is when I can combine the two. Like if, it, if the show like El Vato or a musical in theater where I can both act and sing at the same time, uh, that, those are the best ones. You know, when I'm doing just a straight play or just a TV role that doesn't sing, um, I, I like it. I love it. But the singer gets jealous. It's like, where's the music? Where's, the music? where's my song? Like, where's my song? <laughs> you know? So uh, that's why I'm always doing concerts. And because I got a, I'm also very, uh, like, I'm very hyperactive, as you can tell. Like, I'm always, like, uh, doing a lot of things. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't get bored that way, too. No. I I, I totally love that. I'm the same way. It's like if I if I don't have five different things pulling my attention, that I don't get anything done. I either have to be totally on or totally mm -hmm. off. And I was going to ask what hit first, but it sounds like it was the recording artist side of things. And would you say that like um, I, I guess would you agree with that? And then it was was the Mexican Idol. Did that sort of was that the springboard into everything else? And it just kind of snowballed from there. Or was there something else that sort of like brought together everything to I mean El Vato that's not, that obviously a major TV show is something yeah. that propels you as well that was like a crossing over like and 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 uh, I did it was in Spanish but it was for the American uh, Latino specifically the Mexicans living in the US and it was a huge hit and we we won the Emmy you know that was amazing but um 
I mean, yes, Mexican Idol was definitely like what started it all. It, it, I became a household name in Mexico almost overnight. And that's, that's a blessing, but it can also be a curse because a lot of those TV shows, uh, you get this stigma, you know, and this label that like you, you just uh, came out of nowhere. But um, I made, I made sure that to say like, oh, well, I've, I've been studying in New York for years. I've been doing this and this. And I think life, little by little, put me in a place where people, the audience knew that I was, I did this um, with with all my heart and that I loved this and that I wasn't just starting out. I had already had many, many years of studying and working. And for me, the show was just, a, uh, it was another gig. You know, it was not like, oh, this changed my life. No, it was another job. And when it was over, it was time to look for another job. But I landed, before I did albums, I landed the lead in Saturday Night Fever. Uh, so that was sort of like what took me away from the idol thing and like put me in the, the leading man of musicals in Mexico. And after that, just they just kept coming. And then I started doing telenovelas, which are like the Mexican soap operas, overly dramatic. Mm -hmm. I was like mm -hmm. a villain. I was a villain in, in novelas. I was, <laughs> I was the bad guy. So I was the, the good guy in musicals and I was the bad guy in TV and I was myself in concerts. So it was, it was, <laughs> it was like being Jekyll and Hyde. <laughs> We're going to take a short break. Stay tuned for more of the episode. This episode is brought to you by Factor. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals, and every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes, which is really good for me because I don't have time for three minutes. This is New York. I gotta keep going. You'll have over 35 options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto, and there's more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up. This is not just dinner, either. It is for breakfast and midday bites, as well. It's totally flexible for your schedule. You can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. And if you're going out of town or just want to take a break, you can pause or reschedule any time. So sign up and save because I've done the math. Factor is actually less expensive than takeout. So head to factormeals.com slash TTP50 and use code TTP50 to get 50% off. That's code TTP50 at factormeals.com slash TTP50 to get 50% off. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I've talked to several people who have who have done American Idol, and I wonder if Mexican Idol, your experience was, I was going to ask if it was the same, but it it sounds like, I don't know if you answered this already by saying that you, you viewed it as just another gig, because there was somebody, Lauren Lott, uh, I had her on this um, podcast long, long time ago, 
And she, on her Instagram, she posts all the time about wigs that she wears. And she's a, an advocate for just, you know, wearing wigs and things. Okay. But when we, when we talked about it in the podcast, she said that the stress of Idol was so much that that's when her hair started falling out. Oh, wow. Well, I believe and, her, yes. And so I, my question then, I guess, for you is, was it a similar sort of thing? Or was it just, you know, like a show going into tech, going into previews, going into opening? Like Because you've got that experience. You didn't come from nowhere. Right. It's different because I did have the experience of doing tech on shows like either cruise ships or here in New York. Like uh, I had already I was an extra in Sex in the City. Like I, I did a lot of things before that big break came, but I had never been um, in like a competition and where a lot everyone's seeing you all the time. Because in Mexico, the way a Mexican idol works, which was called Operación Triunfo, which is from Spain. It's almost like a combination between American Idol and Big Brother. Because mm-hmm. you, live, you live in a house together and you're not allowed to leave the house in four months. And you, they only take you to the TV station on Saturdays to rehearse and Sunday to do the live concert. And throughout the whole week, you have like big celebrities, recording artists come and like talk about their careers or whatnot. And you get, you get your song and you work on your song the whole week. But the audience decides who stays or who leaves. But there's a panel of four experts who nominate you every week. Um, I was only nominated once, uh, so I made it through the final. But um, it was very stressful because you never knew. From day one, they told me, ooh, you're too Broadway. Like, they they said, you're too theatrical. Um, and I, I would always say, that's not a bad thing. Like, that's that's who I am. Like, I am theatrical. Like, uh, you know, so that's, I almost, I did have a hard time trying to fit in into like the commercial. Like, they wanted me to be like Ricky Martin. Like, and it was 2002. So like, everybody wanted to be Ricky Martin. And I said, I am not Ricky Martin. I'm Mauricio Martinez and I do different things, you know? Just because I'm Latin and I have spiky hair, it doesn't mean that I... Uh, I'm going to do like living la vida loca. And of course they gave me living la vida loca. And I was like, yeah, but I mean, that's not what I want to do. So um, <laughs> it was stressful, very stressful, but I, I have to say um, it wasn't as stressful as I did dancing with the stars later, like four or five years later, the Mexican version of dancing with the stars. That was more stressful. Really? Cause when you're singing, um, that's my forte, you know? And, um, you're singing and I'm so used to the audience and it's giving a concert. You only do one song and yes, you give your, but it's one song with the dancing with the stars. Sometimes you have to do like two or three, um, different choreographies in a week. And they're really hard. The, the Mexican dancing with the stars was really hard. Like the salsa and the like cha-cha-cha. There was like some serious lifts going that I've, if I hadn't trained in New York and if I hadn't done Saturday Night Fever prior, I would have probably like broken my back or something because it was, it was hard. And, and that was very like, you would be like the bad, you would be like perfect. And still the, the panel would be like, Oh, well you get a seven. It's like (laughs) nothing to please them. So that was very, that was even more stressful to me. I think um, the, the dancing with the stars thing. Uh, it's always the live live TV is very hard to do because it's nerve wracking. You depend on time. I much rather do like 
pre-recorded things where you can like fix it if it doesn't go well, you know, for TV, because it's going to stay there forever. And the live thing, it's like, e, I don't know. I'd rather do it live in theater because that's where that's where live should be. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, I, I as not a trained dancer, I am a singer who moves and just yeah. thinking about having to remember choreography, multiple different numbers, multiple times a week. I, I'm already losing my hair over that. Yeah, it's, so, it's very stressful. Very stressful. And people are watching you all the time and they're like coming to rehearsal to like to, to film you and record you and you got to do interview and press and you got to look good. And, and yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. And sometimes you don't get along with your partner because it was they paired us up with other famous celebrities who are not really sometimes they were not really good dancers. You know, they were just like, I don't know, reality stars or like actresses or like, you know, singers who are not really dancers. And it's it was it was hard. It was hard, but hey, I, I did drop a girl because <laughs> we rehearsed, but it was it was a very hard choreography and we missed we missed a step and we slipped and I was trying to catch her and she fell on national television. That, that And I picked her up right away and we like as if nothing happened. But of course, they gave us like a five or something. But but that happens, you know, and it's like you can't there's no take two. You know, there's no auto-tune in, in live TV. Isn't, isn't that then, though, that's more similar to live theater? Because if you were doing Saturday Night Fever, you would if you dropped your partner, that's what you would have had to do. Exactly. But the difference is that nobody's literally putting, uh, like, they're not judging you. I mean, they probably are, but just the audience that bought their ticket or their critics. But, um, but here there's literally a panel, and they're going to give you, like, a mark you're gonna get like either a five or six or seven and eight and people are gonna vote and you might be voted out like there's a lot it's almost like uh bullying in a way <laughs> like it's 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 hard it's not those are those shows are not really that much fun they're very stressful and you better make good money because otherwise i'm like don't do it <laughs> would, you, would you do it again i was gonna ask it sounds like you know with these two experiences no. i mean i would probably do the the american one yes in English, here for the American audience, I do that. If I got it off, like if I got an offer, yeah, because it's that's that's a great exposure, and uh, and you get top notch people to make sure that you get a professional dancer to dance with you, and they make sure you you look good and you dance good, and yeah, I would do that. Yes, um, but yeah, the, the the Mexican formula was very different, and they also try to. Um, shape it as a telenovela too like you were dancing with somebody sometimes that had like a big drama a big dramatic story and all of a sudden before you danced they would bring out the mother and she would cry because I don't know that she had lost somebody it was like uh, and then like the big dramatic music would play and like you're like dude I just want to dance like <laughs> before I, I forget the steps please let me just dance <laughs> so yeah that's the thing with Mexico and a lot of Latin America, they since we are a very telenovela-oriented uh, audience, even reality shows are very over-the-top dramatic. They play like the suspense music, and it's like it's very over-the-top, and that can be very stressful when you're part of it. You know, and all of a sudden you're like looking around, like where's this music coming from? Like what's like I didn't rehearse this. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> but it was. It, it gave me a lot of chops to, to like, it gave me a lot of um, 
Yeah, more, it's more experience, you know, to when you come back to theater and you, you've done things like that, you, you know how to improvise, you know how to solve problems in something if something doesn't go right or, you know, so that, that's always good. Yeah, doing live national TV and yeah, you've done, you've done live, you've done pre-recorded, you've done Broadway, you've done like cruise ships. It's, you're right, you've done, you are doing, it's not past tense, it's still yeah. present tense. You are I doing. Know. Well, things are opening up again. Yeah, because I wasn't in a year, in a whole year. <laughs> we were like in freeze mode. <laughs> but yes, I'm still doing it. Did you maintain your, your sanity through all of that? Because I, I say like in your um, Instagram bio, it's it, uh-huh. mental health advocate um, yes. is one of the things you list. And and something that, that comes up a lot in these conversations I'm having now, especially now coming out of the pandemic, I'll put in air quotes because who knows what's happening with the Delta variant, but it would look like we're coming out because Broadway looks to be coming back and yes. live performances are starting to resume. And during that whole time, before we knew we were going to get to now, being that like what you said something uh, a little while ago when you're like, this is who I am, this is what I do, I have to do all these things or otherwise I'm not happy. When you got yeah. to do none of them, what did you do? It was hard because I was also by myself here in New York. Um, yes. Uh, I got a roommate. Uh, I got a, a girl from Mexico who was moving to New York in July. And so in April, she said, okay, I'll be there in June. And then in June, she said, okay, July. And then finally she came in July, July 1st, and she left July 2nd. She was oh, like, no. this is not for me. And she left. <laughs> so I was left alone in this apartment, uh, the, my previous apartment. And of course, by then, I mean, it was, I, I think we all went through stages. In the beginning, maybe the first month, it was sort of exciting in a way. Like, because it was like, ooh, we get to, ra-. I had just literally wrapped uh, Unmasked, which was a hard show to do. Like I did Gethsemane and like I did a lot of hard songs there and it was Andrew Lloyd Webber was there all the time. So it, it was like, it was, um, there was a lot of pressure in that show because it's a new show and they were like figuring a, a lot of things out. And um, we literally closed on Sunday and then the next Thursday shutdown happened. And so the first days I was like, oh, well I can relax a little bit, watch some TV, like, do some reading. Then a week went by. Okay, well, I'll drink with my friends. Like we did like FaceTime or whatnot or Zoom. Zoom was just starting. I was like, ooh, this, there's this thing called Zoom. Uh, <laughs> so we did Zoom parties and like, yeah, my birthday came and went and I got drunk every day. I was like, oh, I'm drinking. I'm drinking. It's 11 a.m., you know? Uh, so by the time, like by the time month three started and then um, there was like uh, the shutdown and uh, there was also like, all the Black Lives Matter, which was very stressful too. And I lived uh, right across the street from the police station. So there was a lot of riots happening. And then the fireworks, remember, that, that drove me crazy last year. And there was there was a lot and of all the politics and all that. There was a lot of riots. A lot of, a lot of people left. I couldn't go anywhere because my mother was stranded in Spain my, with my sister and she couldn't leave. Um, cause she's 72 and she, uh, she has diabetes. So she would literally could not leave the house. And then Mexico was starting to go really, really bad as far as COVID. And I was in New York. We had already, it was terrible here, but at least I was okay. I was safe. And being a cancer survivor, I didn't want to risk it. I was like, I'm not getting in a plane. I'm like, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to stay put, but alone, it was hard. It was very hard. Um, I like, vented a lot on Twitter in Spanish. I started going into 
more like um because that being not only bilingual but bicultural you know you you got to follow um it drives you crazy sometimes but you got to follow two countries you know you, what's going on here and what's going on over there as far as everything politics health uh everything entertainment so um I started like reading a lot and writing a lot, but all of a sudden I, I, I was so angry with life, I think, because I was supposed to be doing Evita in London. Uh, I was supposed to be doing concerts when I came back from London here with, with symphonies in Pasadena, in LA, in Costa Mesa, in uh, Philadelphia, in Boston, in Pittsburgh, in Detroit. And uh, all those were canceled and no auditions. There, there, I, I had a TV show that I was going to do and it was canceled. Uh, so it was very hard. You know, I went on unemployment, um, which is also a blessing. We don't have that in Mexico. So I was like very relieved and I was like, wow, my friends in Mexico are really struggling, especially if you're a theater artist. Um, it's, it's not like when you're a, when you do TV or film, everybody knows that's, that's uh, paid better, you know? So it was hard. But then I got through it, you know, uh, thanks to friends, thanks to my therapist, thanks to my alone time, thanks to venting too, thanks to writing, to crying, to singing. Uh, but it was it was definitely tough, definitely tough. Uh, as September, things started to like get better. I booked a plane, a flight, and went to Spain for a whole month. And that really helped. I just stayed with my mom and my sister over there by the beach. Then I went to LA for another month and stayed with a friend in their house. I didn't really go out just by the pool, but to leave New York for a little bit and get out of the city and just breathe a different air and see a different scenery. I came back and spent Christmas here and I was like, okay, this is, this is way better, you know? And as soon as this year started, things definitely started to get better and they keep getting better and better. So that's all so good. You know, but I dealt with a lot of loss, a lot. I lost friends. I lost dear friends, not only to COVID, you know, friends, close friends, my uncle, my dad's brother, my mom's brother-in-law, um, my neighbor from Mexico too, my voice teacher from Mexico, like wow. a lot of people too. Uh, so that, that got me very, in a very pensive state. And like, I thought a lot about, I reminisced a lot and. Um, I, you just view life differently, you know, um, I, I've been close to dying several times, you know, I'm a cancer survivor. So, um, and mental health played a very, very important part, um, in my advocacy in a way in this year, cause I've gone through depression. I've dealt with anxiety being a cancer patient. You deal with those things. They come like hang in, hand in hand, you know, cause the minute you hear the word cancer, you think you're going to die. And so your emotions go all over the place and being a performer and being an, a, a very um, intense and passionate person as I am, a Latino, a performer, a gay man and, and a cancer survivor. <laughs> like, <laughs> of course, my emotions are all over the place all the time. But um, so I've dealt a lot with that. So I started to give messages of, of you can do this and don't say this to people that are depressed. Never say this and do this instead and check on your friends. And it's okay not to be okay. And it's okay to go to the therapist. It doesn't mean you're crazy. And besides we're all crazy, you know, like embrace your craziness and it's okay to take antidepressants. If you need them, it's okay to take 
uh, like do like and go out and run and meditate and breathe and write and uh, watch TV. And if it, all of that doesn't work, then definitely you are depressed. Go to the doctor. You need help. Like it's not, um, it's not, it's not a sin and it's not, it doesn't mean that you're, um, there's so much stigma around it that, and in Latin America a lot. So a lot of my followers are from Mexico and Latin America because of the TV shows and whatnot. So I think in America, people are way, way more used to talking about the, going to therapists and, and, and therapy and New York. I mean, in New York, everybody goes to therapy, you know, mm-hmm. but in, in Mexico, Latin America, not really. Uh, and men, like men don't cry. Men, men are not supposed to talk about their feelings. So I'm like, screw that. Of course we are like, and we're, we're supposed to cry. And it doesn't mean you're, you're a girl or you're feminine or that doesn't make you like, stop, stop with that bull. You know, it's not true. So I, I did help. I think a lot of people, hopefully Um, I did get some messages of people that are two, two specific people that were like literally thinking about ending their lives. Wow. And I, I, I texted them like via Twitter, one on Instagram and via Twitter, like literally I sent them voice messages. Like, you're not alone. This is like, this is the hotline. Call them. You're okay. Um, are you by yourself? Where are you? Like, what are you like? How can I help you? And yeah, cause I've been there, you know, um, who hasn't so many people have been, and I, I, these are hard times. So the emotions and, um, play, play, play a very important part in our lives and specifically specifically after this year. I mean, we're all going through a collective trauma, you know, we're not healed yet just because theater is coming back and we can do concerts again and we are auditioning and like, uh, I don't know, we're supposed to, we, we don't need to wear a mask everywhere. It doesn't mean that we're, we've healed. We may be vaccinated from the virus, but there's no vaccine against collective trauma. We went through a lot of loss uncertainty uh death uh, uh, we lost jobs we lost like there's a lot and the whole there's so many um there's so many battles going on at the same time you know uh in this country specifically the like the stop asian aid the black lives matter like there's so many different uh so it's like wow guys we we need to like breathe and know that it's okay if we say we're not okay. You know, we, we stop pretending that, hey, we're fine. We're not fine. We're going to take a short break. Stay tuned for more of the episode. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This episode is brought to you by Factor. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. And every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes, which is really good for me because... 
I don't have time for three minutes. This is New York. I got to keep going. You'll have over 35 options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And there's more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up. This is not just dinner either. It is for breakfast and midday bites as well. It's totally flexible for your schedule. You can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. And if you're going out of town or just want to take a break, you can pause or reschedule any time. So sign up and save because I've done the math. Factor is actually less expensive than takeout. So head to factormeals.com slash TTP50 and use code TTP50 to get 50% off. That's code TTP50 at factormeals.com slash TTP50 to get 50% off. Well, that, that's what a lot of people, I agree with you. That's what a lot of people have, have, I correct them on this sometimes when they say this is that like, I can't wait for things to go back to normal. Oh, we're getting back to normal. And I, and I said that we should not go back to what was our normal. You right. know, you, you were the fifth Mexican to be the lead in a Broadway musical. That's horrible. How many years is, has Broadway been around and you're only the fifth? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, like, that's that's insane. The amount of 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 conversations that we should have been having years ago that we are just now having, and and theater and Broadway and uh, you know the the concerts, the fifty four belows, the green room forty twos, the things that you can do on your own to to bring your own voice into the masses. Right, you already have. You're fortunate enough to have a following, to have a presence online that you can use, and it sounds like you have been using it very positively, and. I I I love it when people like this really get home, drive home a message without hitting us over the head. Us being cis white men, yes, right, yes, and yes. and I actually I want to touch on that too for a second. And don't think we won't come back to the cancer stuff. You mentioned that we will not gloss over that. <laughs> um, but but the you know me being a cis white man, I realize only unfortunately too recently how easy. A life has been and and you are white presenting yes. and you and i feel like you know you've probably had these oppor- these these not opportunities but these situations where you've played more to one side or the other like oh i'm i'm more latin like kind of of code switching code switching of course. Right? of course and well in mexico i i probably would never and probably never will play somebody who's poor for example that's oh. just how mexico works why because i'm white and that's, that's horrible. Like, and it's like, cause it's so not true too. It's like, what? Like, no, like, <laughs> but, uh, or yes, I, I'm aware that because I'm white presenting, I'm a, I'm a white Mexican, you know, I have Spanish in me and yeah. And there's tons of us, you know, um, there's all colors, but, um, I'm aware that that has definitely opened doors, um, maybe more easily if, that uh, if I had been darker or shorter, you know, or if I had been indigenous, you know, a Mexican, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's different. I would have I would have never played uh, Emilio Stefan, for example, because he doesn't look like that. I look more like him because we're both white presenting Latinos. Uh, you know what I mean? I, I could never probably play the lead in uh, Be the Prince after the BS because I was a beast, but then I was a prince. So you got to sort of look like a prince, you know? So, and what's the prince? I'm like, why can't there be a prince, uh, an indigenous Mexican prince? You know, they're beautiful. They're beautiful men, you know, like stunning. Um, 
same as like here, like I, why can't I, like why can't the beast uh, there happen or the phantom? Like when there's a black one or a nation, I'm like yes, you know, you know there hasn't been a Mexican, well there hasn't been a Latino phantom on Broadway ever. Really, there's been black, there's been like, but there's not been a Latino on Broadway. There has been in West End uh, and elsewhere, but on Broadway never. And I go, wow, really? In so many years, how many years has the show been running? Um, so I'm like, after that, <laughs> I'm like, I was gonna say, that sounds yeah, like life goals. That's going to change. But yeah, I'm, I'm very aware of that. And as a cis white, I had to learn a couple of years, maybe less than two years ago, what even the term cis meant. I didn't know, you know, we're still learning and relearning so many things at the same time. And I'm, I'm 43, you know, I'm, I'm, um, there's so many terms, uh, even, even, um, being a gay man, I, I gotta educate. I'm still educating myself a lot about what's right and what's not acceptable anymore and what's, what's okay. And what's not okay as far as, um, equality, as far as so many things that you can't say anymore. And the, um, uh, inclusive language and, you know, and all that I've had to learn because I didn't know, cause I, I am, I am not, I don't, I, I am a cis white gay man. So I don't, uh, until, until you talk to somebody that has been rejected or has been oppressed because of, uh, being trans or being black or being, you know, uh, whatnot, you understand and you go, Oh, that's why I should, that's why it's important to put my pronouns. That's why it's important to, okay, they, them. That's why it's important to do this. That's what, but until you don't do your research and ask, and I ask a lot, all the time. All my friends know me. And sometimes I'm like, they're like, Mao, don't, don't. I'm like, I have to know. Otherwise, if I don't make the mistake, I'm not going to be corrected. Like, I got I to gotta know. And I'm doing it from a place of love. Like, please just help me. Because I also live in two languages and two cultures. You know, and some things that are good over here don't work over there. It's like, wow, it gets confusing sometimes, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, right. Spanish, Spanish is already an inclusive language in a way, but there's all this talk now that that um, that it's a very macho language in a way. It's a very um, patriarch uh, because everything's in, in Spanish, everything, a lot of things are uh are, have a have a, a gender even the water like a glass of water el vaso de agua this is a it's a male el vaso but it's not really a male you know wait so is it is it i don't i don't know i don't hardly know spanish unfortunately is is the whole is it like um everything is sort of a single gender and that gender is male or is it just is it is it more like that everything is just single gendered there is that, but there things have gender. Like, let's say, pick a word, whatever word, say something in English. Chair. Chair, la silla. That's a female in Spanish, la silla. Chairs what? are female. I mean, that doesn't mean that they're female, but the conjugation of the word is always in female terms because it's la silla. If you say tree, it's, it's el árbol. So it's a man. It's, a man. It's, not, it's not a man, but it's, it's written as if it were a male. So there's this whole conversation going on right now with like um, the, the progressives and all that about how how screwed up that is. Uh, but it has to go back 
hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years all the way to Spain, not even Mexico, like to Spain uh, and reorganize that. But of course, there's people that say, yeah, but Spanish is so beautiful. Why change it? Like, uh, so it's there's this whole whole talk about that. Um, and it's it takes a lot, you know, it, it's because I think we're all learning so many things at the same time. That it does get, I mean, every now and then I go, okay, wow, I need a break. Like, I'm, uh, I need to just, like, chill and, like, not think about what's politically correct, you know, and, and just, like, watch a movie. But then you go back into it. But I'm a very passionate person, and I, I, uh, I love to study, and I love knowledge, and I love to ask, and I love to make mistakes and get corrected. And, like, it. Um, that's who I am. But a lot of people are not like that, you know? So it's also very tiring sometimes to be in a world where not everybody um, wants to know things. They're like, no, this is okay. I'm not changing this. I'm like, but, uh, but it's, it, it's, it's very tiring sometimes, you know? Oh, so absolutely. Yeah, I, I, very tiring. <laughs> I don't like, I actually honestly don't be, like being around people who are like that. I, because I'm always trying to push forward in, exactly. in making things better including myself and yeah. and the people around me like if it that's a that's a level of of drive that is it's a it's a need for self-improvement that if you don't have it you don't get it and then you just don't gel with that kind of right. people sometimes and and I I totally get that. And I think I think this is a good way to circle back to surviving cancer four times because yeah. you kept going. I so, know. Tell me, when was the first time I'm you very found stubborn. out? <laughs> <laughs> and so is the cancer that I've had, apparently. <laughs> uh, the first time was in 2010. I was in Mexico with my now ex-husband, who's a very dear friend. But uh, it was April the 1st, and I literally went to urinate, to pee. And it was as if I had opened a bottle of red wine. Like, it just came out blood. Ooh without hurting or anything, but of course I got scared. Nothing had happened before like that ever. Not a single drop or anything. I had already uh, always urinated yellowy, clear, whitish, you know, like that's Normal. what I urinated <laughs> until then. And uh, uh, it was hard to get a doctor because it was, um, it was Easter and Mexico being very, very Christian and Catholic, and doctors, uh, specifically urologists, were away. Most of them were away in a in Europe in a, like a congress or something. And so it was hard. I waited for three and a half days until I was seen by a doctor. And uh, they did uh, studies on me. They did X rays and everything. And the, he, the doctor, called me and he said, "I need you to come back to my office right away because you have five tumors inside." So I went and yeah, I had five tumors. That was the first time, 2010. I had just wrapped up um, a show, a TV show, and I was doing a musical, but I had to drop everything. The doctor didn't let, he did not let me leave the hospital, literally. He was like, you're going into surgery tomorrow morning. Like, that's it. You have to, because we need to know how, how advanced it is. And also because of the position of one of them, the oldest tumor per se, um, it was dangerous because if it had already trespassed the organ, that's when you metastasize. And that's when I call them co copy paste. <laughs> that's when you go literally copy paste all over your body. And that's when, when people, um, unfortunately pass uh, really quickly, you know, uh, that's, 
That's why you hear about people that get cancer and they're diagnosed and all of a sudden, boom, they die in, in a month because that happens. So they, t- they got to take out some um, glands in your body that are the ones who create those copies. It's mm-hmm. the, the, the body is a, a wonderful organism. It's a, it's a machine. It's a factory. It's amazing. Um, so I, I did all that and I went through chemo. I went through radiotherapy. I went through hormone therapy, everything throughout six months that I didn't work. And I was focused on that. I, I, I was clear and I went back to work and three years later it came back very little. Every three months I had, I had my tests just to do my checkup and they detected a little tumor again, which came out, um, obviously, uh, a bad one and they had to take it out. And I went through chemo again. And that was the second time, which was 2013. And then 2016 was the third time. Every time it comes back, it's less aggressive and it's smaller, but it still comes back. And it's still um, what's always a pain is having to start to count again from zero, you know, because the the moment you reach the five-year mark and then the 10-year mark, the five-year mark means that you only get a checkup once a year every year from year five to year 10. And once you get to year 10 clear, then you can finally like ring the bell and you're finally cancer, like clear, clean, uh, cancer free. But I haven't reached that. I, I went through three years and then back to zero and then another three years, which was really six and back to zero. And then I was touring after that. I came to Broadway and I was literally on the tour of on your feet, the day of opening night at the Pantages theater with Gloria and Emilio and my mother and they're like Mexican celebrities, everybody was there. Um, and all of a sudden in intermission, I go to urinate and boom, again, blood. Mm. So you can imagine the act two that I did. Thank God. Luckily on your feet, um, whoever saw the show, the second act is very emotional for Emilio. Cause that's when Gloria has the accident and she's in the hospital. So he has uh, a couple of ballads that are very, he's crying and, he has like a lot of dramatic moments. So I, I was a mess, <laughs> of course, in, in the act two of, of my opening night of, um, of the Pantage, in the Pantages of On Your Feet. And I had to leave the tour for a couple of months. I went back on the road, but I decided to end because I, w- I was like, no, I'm not. This is not. I can't do this. I can't be touring the country in the middle of getting my green card and I get uh, figuring out where to get chemo in San Francisco, the first dose, and then LA, the second one. And then uh, Minnesota, the third, like it, this is going to drive me crazy. And of course my, my, my mental health took a toll and I fell into a deep depression the fourth time because I had to leave everything. And I went back to Mexico. I was 40, 40 years old, unemployed, left the show of my dreams. And, uh, it was, it was heartbreaking. So I went, through a very dark period, uh, a couple of months. But luckily, in knowing how my personality, I didn't, I didn't give up. I was like, I know that I have this. I know that I'm depressed. I know that I got to probably deal with this um, for the rest of my life. So I focused for four and a half months in Mexico. I, all I did was go to therapy and find out what medication I needed because I was very depressed. And I went to three different therapists. I went to a psychologist as well and also uh, a psychiatrist. And I mean, medicines, 
that's what they're for, you know? And finally we, cause we did trial and error and uh, I, I was like a zombie for like a month. Cause I was like, this are not, this is not working. Like, and they were like, well, we got to figure out wh- which one it, and finally we found out which one is, which is fluvoxamine, which is amazing to me. And it helped a lot. And it was like literally like night and day. And I came back. I was like, oh, okay, well, it's time to move to New York. I have my green card. Okay. Like, okay, let's do this. And that's when I finally moved back again on 2019 uh, to New York. And I booked Unmasked right off the bat. And I did Unmasked. And then COVID started. (laughs) (laughs) Luckily, Luckily, but by the time COVID hit, I had already been medicated for almost a year and I, I didn't leave. I didn't stop taking therapy. And that's the importance of being a good patient, both for cancer and, and, and mental health. Just as I treat my body going to the gym or just as I treat um, my, my, the muscle of my voice, taking voice lessons, uh, that's how you got to treat your mental health too. And, and be a good patient for both the therapy and take your medication. and also. For um, the cancer, if I don't go to the doctor every six months, I may have a tumor inside and I don't find out. And you know what I mean? I could die in a year or two. Like, that's, that's why you got to keep going and be whatever the doctor says. Like, he's like God to me. It's like, okay, okay, I got to do it. You say I got to do it. I'll do it. And that's, that's how it works. But that's why I'm here, you know, and it's, it's worked so far. So that's why I'm here. <laughs> alive and kicking. <laughs> very, very kicking, very alive. The yeah, your energy is like just coming through the screen here as we're as we're talking. It it always does. And it's it, I think about I think about uh Steve Jobs actually when when I think of people who who are trying to push through cancer with you know I, like there's nothing wrong with alternative medicines and there's nothing wrong with holistic health and whatnot, but there's there's a point where and this this seek this goes towards you know climate change and not putting bleach in your body and to kill COVID and all the other things that you should really think about before you do. I know, please. <laughs> but um, but there there's a a point where science science full stop right science is there and and it it has helped us create these solutions to problems not never before able that we've never been before been able to solve and it um oh it's i forget her name and i'm so sorry i'm forgetting her name but she just invented the the crispr the the um the gene manipulation device the ability to manipulate genes uh so that we're now getting into a realm of of like we had um a revolution a computer revolution, you know, in the 70s mm-hmm. and 80s, and now we're getting into a revolution of genetics. And, and, right. and so the what she created, you should look this up, CRISPR. Yeah. It, it's allowed us, or it's it will allow us now, and there's an, a huge ethical debate around this, to um to literally genetically engineer babies, embryos. Okay. Because wow. you can you can just like you're cutting and pasting your movie and final cut, right. you, can, you can just manipulate DNA and you're like, I want blue eyes here and I want them to, I want to remove the, we're going to isolate and remove the gene that predisposes you for anxiety. Right. Or, or cancer or, or depression or, yeah. Whatever the case is. And, and that's fascinating. I, I have heard about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I find it fascinating. Oh, I, me too. Me too. There. Oh gosh. What, 
I, ah, I wish I had, rem I could remember more of this because I'm making a horrible story, but there was, um, oh, it's, it's this, uh, one of these, it was a kid who, he's not a kid anymore, but at the time he was like a teenager or whatnot. And I think like his dad died of sickle cell and he found out he had sickle cell and he helped to, like he, through high school and into college, figured out how to isolate it and mm -hmm. treat it. And then it was one of these, these conversations. He was asked like, if you could eliminate the gene that caused sickle cell mm. or let it to happen would you do that he was like no never not a doubt in my mind because it's made me who i am it right. has given me the ability to drive to find the science to do all to do all the things that i am now i wouldn't be who i am without this and right. yes now we know how to keep it at bay we know how to treat it but i would never remove it and so so it it uh, we're so off topic. I love it. No, um, but I love it. Yeah, that's a good conversation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But all of this stuff, it it's so fun to me, and because it's fascinating, you know. Yeah. And I think, as you say, medicine is there for a reason. Like at me as a mental health advocate and like depression survivor, you know, uh, and um, four time cancer survivor, I firmly believe in the power of medicine and doctors, like, I would not be here. Yes, a lot of other factors have helped. Yes, of course. But the main reason I'm still here is definitely medicine. Like it's, that's a no brainer. So that's why I, I always, that's why I have this specific stance about vaccines. And that's why I have the specific stance about anything that has to do with science. Um, it's, Science is science. It, it's there for a reason. And it's always, it's always helped. I, Men, you know, I, I come from, I come from a, a, like a logical background and that's why I've always loved computers because it's always been um, very binary. It's, it's mm -hmm. computers, right? Are either on and off. There's an electrical charge or there's not. And right. in science, I feel like uh, the, uh, I, I never got to the level of theoretical physics and all this quantum theory and string theory and all the things that, you know, the things we're still figuring out about space time, right? But right. <laughs> <laughs> everything that I learned all through college was just that you have a specific set of inputs. Someone smarter than me has figured out how, what to do with those inputs and right. then it spits out output and it's going to be the same every time. And so it's the smart people now who are figuring out how to manipulate the input and turn it into the output we want. Like these are the scientists that are that are pushing forward every day. But to not trust the the output that we've been given because you just don't know enough about it. Is that what it is? I don't I, I, I don't yeah. know what it is. I watched what ahead of the curve or behind the curve, that flat earther documentary on Netflix uh -huh. and just blew my mind that people they look for confirmation bias in everything they do. How can you believe this stuff? It's in yeah. it's, it's nuts to me. It's yeah. really nuts to me. Yeah, and, and I agree. I agree. And I mean, I I respect people's beliefs too, but I, I sometimes I don't. Uh, some things I just don't get because I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a living example, living and breathing example, and a result of medicine working. You know, I wouldn't be here literally talking to you or auditioning and singing and preparing a concert and hosting concerts. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here if it weren't for medicine. So yeah. So yeah. But, aye, aye, aye. <laughs> well, I think that is a lovely place. Let's wrap up here with the three 
three standard closing questions I ask everybody. Uh, the first one is just very simply, what motivates you? Ooh, what motivates me? Um, ah, happiness, you know, making people happy in every regards. You know, if people are happy, if your boss is happy, if your mom is happy, if you're happy, if your wife is happy, like if your life is better, you know, like if you're happy, like so that that's what definitely that's my motor, you know, uh, mm. to 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 smile, to go. Ah, wow. Like if, if it is a glass of wine at 7 p.m. Uh, listening to music or if it's singing or if it's walking by Central Park or if it's cooking uh, my favorite Mexican dish or whatever it is, those simple little things, whatever makes you happy or me happy, I'm happy, you know? Yep. All right. So what advice would you give to your younger self and younger people listening now, starting out down a similar path? Ooh, well, to myself, I would be, uh, I would tell them to have more fun because I think, (laughs) I think I started to have more fun as I grew older. You know, I, I was so serious, but I'm very grateful that I was so serious because that's why I achieved everything that I achieved, I think. But, but yeah, to have more fun. And to people who are young, who are um, starting out and wanting to be a performer, I would tell them to enjoy it, have fun, but to take it seriously, you know, to take it seriously. Yeah. (laughs) All right. We have a a visitor, a visitor for the final question. Yes. Um, Let's see. Hi. <laughs> You're so cute. All right, hold on. Let me find. Let me find headphones. There we go. Now, Hi. How are you? Good. Good. What's your name? Jackson. Jackson. That's a cool name. I like your headphones. Okay. Let me finish talking. You can sit here if you, you're going to be quiet. So you can sit here. All right. Let me finish, and then you can talk. <laughs> All right. All right. So, last question. Then. Last question. Yes. If, if you could only see one show for the rest of your life, but you can see it as many times as you want, what would you see? Oh my God! What a question. Um, a Broadway show? You mean? Yeah. Yes. Uh, Broadway show. Wow. What a question. If I could see a show. Ooh. A specific, like, with somebody and, like... You can get as specific as you want, or or you could say a TV show, a film, whatever, but I will keep it to Broadway. Since I mean, I would probably watch a Funny Girl with Barbara Streisand live at the Winter Garden Theater over and over again. Like, that would be <laughs> a no-brainer for me. <laughs> that works. Yes. It works for me. That's very specific. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Jackson has left. Thank you. Oh, oh you're saying bye. You, you got to come over here if you're gonna say bye. Okay. All right. Seriously. Bye, Jackson. Seriously. All right. Well, <laughs> so obviously the Bryant Park picnic performances are coming up. The next one coming up on July 30th with Adrian yes. Warren and friends. You are hosting live. Go to bryantpark.org to yes. get uh, get more information about that. And it's actually being live streamed too. And we were talking about you know sponsorship from Bank of America. It's going out yes. live thanks to Bank of America. Where can we find you online? We can. You can find me on 
uh, Instagram and Twitter, I'm at Martinez Mao, which is just my last name. And then Mao, as people call me, that's like my nickname short for Mao, for Mauricio. And on Facebook, it's a fan page and it's just Mauricio Martinez, of, official, official. If you Google me, I'm there. You can get more of me at thetheaterpodcast.com. I'm on Instagram and Twitter at theater underscore podcast. I'm on Facebook slash official theater podcast. Leave a rating and a review wherever you are listening now. Please spread the word. Tell your friends. This has been edited by Well-Rounded Hoodlum Productions. The music is by Jukebox the Ghost. And the lovely conversation is by Mao Mauricio Martinez. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, my dear Alan. This This is amazing and hope to repeat it again soon. Colorful. Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Gapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.